The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, March 27th, 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hopefully you all had a good weekend. Uh, Hopefully you stayed dry, stayed safe uh, with the nasty weather that rolled through yesterday, last night, this morning. Uh, across the state of Alabama. I know that there were some uh, tornadoes that went through uh, parts of Mississippi. And so uh, hopefully uh, everybody and you that you know is okay. Uh, Hopefully you, again, stayed safe, stayed dry. Uh, This morning coming into the office, it was a downpour. And I mean, it was a downpour. And of course, as a good employee does, I still got up and I still came into work and I was drenched head to toe because if you've lived in Auburn for any amount of time you understand that when it rains the entire city floods and that's just how it goes and so my apartment complex the parking lot their floods uh, our building here at at Auburn Network the parking lot floods when it rains it's like a river and it was just absolutely flooding so uh, yeah that was that's how the day started was just being drenched head to toe but what a weekend it was in the world of sports we're going to talk all about it yes the final four is set and no nobody predicted this four in the final four so we'll talk about that all the games that happened over the weekend and so much more carter happy monday brother how are you i'm good man how are you we're here man we are here we are here yeah we, i'm dry and we're here so i, ch- I went home the, and changed clothes during lunch so all of the bad weather seems to be gone seems to be gone fingers crossed yeah seems to be gone especially with um uh, softball and baseball for auburn university going on this week i've got a bunch of lee scott baseball going on this week and so uh yeah hopefully hopefully the weather is gone but man what a weekend it was in the world of sports you've got all the March Madness stuff that's going on. You got the final four that is set. How about what's coming up this week? Opening day for MLB is on Thursday, March 30th. So that's exciting. And we'll get to talk about that as the week goes on. We'll get to talk about the Braves. We'll get to talk about all things going on in Major League Baseball. So excited about that. Spring practice is still rolling on. There was a scrimmage on Friday for Auburn football. We'll get into that as well this week and talk about where things stand as of right now. Hugh Freeze has a press conference this afternoon. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on throughout the week as well. So should be a busy week here today as Mondays always are. It'll be a busy show as we'll talk about March Madness, break down the final four coming up in a few minutes. Then at 2.30, Joey Blackwell of Bama Central will join us and talk about how the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number one overall seed, possibly their best team of all time, 
is not in the Final Four. So we'll talk about that with him and everything else going on around Alabama athletics. Then, in hour number two, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us to recap a busy, busy weekend in Auburn athletics, which includes an SEC championship for the equestrian team. So congrats to them, Mm -hmm. uh, but a very, very busy weekend around Auburn athletics. So we'll get to Jacob Hillman coming up in hour number two. But around the guest, you know how it is. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Give us a call. Did you have any of these teams in the Final Four in any of your brackets? And don't lie, you can be honest. You probably didn't, but maybe you had one, maybe you had two, but we'd love to hear from you on that. Your reactions to any of the games from over the weekend and your thoughts on the matchups in the Final Four, give us a call. 334-321-1390, or you can tweet at us at ESPN1067. Carter, where do you want to begin, man? I guess Friday night and then just kind of move or into Saturday, I guess, is where yeah, things really get interesting, right? The game's from from over the weekend I mean what what a fantastic what a fun tournament this has been I mean just the unpredictability we talked about it coming into it how college basketball there was no one great team and we knew it was going to be wild but we didn't know it was going to be this wild yeah I mean it was uh I mean I think with the with the way that we've talked about college basketball this year, everybody's down. Uh, there's not any great teams. This was the weakest crop of one seeds that we've seen in a while. You could kind of see chaos coming, but this has been a lot. This has been a lot. This is unprecedented. You have, uh, I believe, what, three teams making the Final Four for the first time in school history. Uh, the first time that no one seeds made it to the Elite Eight. The first time that no one, two, or three seeds have made it to the Final Four. Um, there's all sorts of crazy stats about this. And it's um, it's been a lot of fun to keep track of. It really has. Um, and it started that Friday night when, when we sat here and talked about this, um, this tournament and the matchups Friday. And we talked about these one seeds and these one seed matchups. And we talked about, I think people were selling San Diego State short against Alabama. I thought they were a pretty decent matchup. I didn't think they were going to win. Well, I think I, well, I did pick them, actually. So I guess I guess I did think that they were going to win. Um, but I thought that with the way that they played defense, with their greatest strength was that three-point defense, and with the amount of threes Alabama shoots, you could... Um, get after them a little bit and make it interesting. And then on the other side, you had Houston uh, taking on Miami. And I really kind of liked Miami's matchup with them. And sure enough, in both games, we saw the one seeds fall. Alabama, for a portion of that second half, you felt like they had the game in hand. They had it under control. And turns out they didn't because uh, this this... San Diego State team that we have watched um, in this tournament, they get down by six or seven, and with how poorly they shoot it, you sit there and you think, huh, how are they going to close this gap? Mm-hmm. But they just figure out ways to do it, and I, it's, it's astounding. It really is. It's been, it's been really impressive. It is. And... 
I mean, they were down. Uh, it got as much as it appears nine points before they go on a little ferocious comeback. Uh, they hit a three, a layup, a three, a free throw, a free, a three, and all just like that, fourteen nothing run. They got that three point lead, and they don't give it back. Yeah. Yeah, and look, we talked about on Friday, you, me, and Jack, who Jack was joining us on the show, we talked about the seniority and the experience on the San Diego State team and how those things, those qualities lead to wins in March. Those things lead to wins in the NCAA tournament, and sure enough, you could see the difference in experience and age between the San Diego State team in this Alabama squad. You could see it on the floor. You could see it when adversity hit both of these teams. One team was able to respond, and the other team just didn't. And you could see some younger players not have great performances and not find a way to make it happen. And yes, I look at Brandon Miller, who played 31 minutes in this game. He had nine points. But he went 3 of 19 from the floor and 1 of 10 from deep. Brandon Miller had a bad game. San Diego State forced him to have a bad game. And Alabama starters did not play well. Look at their shooting numbers. 1 of 6, 3 of 19, 4 of 11, 4 of 13. Those are not good shooting numbers for an Alabama team that they don't shoot up particularly well, but they're a really good offensive team. And San Diego State holding them to 64 total points, 23 in the first half, that's impressive. And we knew San Diego State was good defensively, we knew they were good physically, and they have the experience. And those things led them to a victory, an upset, over number one Alabama. And there's a reason that San Diego State has 30 wins this year. That means you're a good team, folks. I don't care what conference you play in. I don't care what competition you're in. When you have 30-plus wins in college basketball, you're doing something right. And San Diego State takes down Alabama. We all picked it on on uh, Friday for San Diego State to win this game. And we've been looking at it all year for this Alabama team, right? There's going to be a game where they don't play well. And the team's yeah. going to beat them, and that's what happened on Friday night. San Diego State wins in the Sweet 16. They moved on to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was interesting to watch this game because you watch those San Diego State guards, and boy, it doesn't feel like they are the best ball handlers I've ever seen. No. There were some times where they were pushing the ball up the court and they were dribbling at head level or, or the ball's getting away from them. They're having to run it down. Um, but when you hold Brandon Miller to um, three of nineteen from the field, one of three, one of ten from three, rather uh, six turnovers, just nine points. That's great defense. And this Alabama team, they had relied so heavily on Brandon Miller, and had all year long in big spots that when he's not there to answer for the team. They struggled to find other answers. I mean, their other guy, I guess, down the stretch has been Javon Quinterly. He goes 4 of 13, 1 of 3 from 3. 1 of 3 at the free throw line, just 10 points. And he got two shots blocked in a key spot mm-hmm. uh, where, I mean, you you get 19 points out of Brandon Miller and Javon Quinterly who are 
your two go-to guys in crunch time, that's not enough. That's not that's not enough for this Alabama team. Uh, and then when you go three of twenty-seven from three, that's not very good. Yeah, it's not very good. That's it's not, not good. That's not going to cut it. And Brandon Miller's stats for the NCAA tournament have been really, really bad. Uh, I think he was he was eight of forty-one from the field for across three games. Three of nineteen from three. Twenty-eight total points. Wow. And three tournament games. Yeah. Wow. Because remember, he scored he scored zero in the first game, right? Yeah, I think he did. He went over in the first game. And I wanna I wanna say I saw a stat that he was the first player in maybe the second player ever, but first player in like sixty years or something to shoot below twenty percent with at least forty shot attempts. Wow. In a tournament. Interesting. He shot nineteen and a half percent. And I think it was Something that uh, is pretty unprecedented. Okay, worst field goal percentage by a, a player in a single tournament since 1985, minimum of 40 attempts. He is 3.9% worse than any other player over that, that period, those 38 years. It's not a great part of history to be in. No, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> that's that's not the uh, that's not the records that Alabama was looking for from Brandon Miller. Who look, he's still one of the best players in college basketball. I mean, he was the freshman of the year and player of the year in the SEC, but he didn't have a good tournament. And you can point to a lot of different things. You can point to the off the court stuff that's been going on. You can just ask the question. Were the lights too bright? I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe teams just played really good defense against him and made him really uncomfortable. And it's really difficult for freshmen in the NCAA tournament to be on their best game. When you're playing a team like San Diego State who plays so well and who is so senior and junior oriented, things like that happen. And Alabama, a team that we had the discussion months ago Was it Final Four or bust for this Alabama team? We said yes, and this team made it to just the Sweet 16. And the Sweet 16 is great. Don't overlook that at all. Look at the tournament, man. There are teams that would have loved to make the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. But this Alabama team was good. And for a long time this year, they were the best team in college basketball, but they don't make it out of the Sweet 16, and San Diego State takes them down on Friday night. The other two, there was three other games on Friday, Texas and Xavier, uh, we'll talk about this one quickly. Texas, they're good, man. They're they're a good squad, and they played Xavier really well. Xavier Those guards are so much fun to watch yeah. for them. And Xavier had not been playing well this entire tournament, and I said it. I went with Xavier just to try to will them to victory. It mm-hmm. didn't happen. Texas Texas took them down 83-71. You were blinded by your your love for uh, the Big East. I That's mean, maybe, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's definitely possible. <laughs> Love the Big East, my entire life. Anybody in media that I've seen, because they're a good conference. They're a good conference. Big East is really fun. Texas, they beat Xavier on Friday night. Princeton's uh, magical run came to an end. Creighton, just the better team. But you mentioned Miami, and we're going to talk more about this Miami team. They take down Houston, and it wasn't close. Eighty-nine seventy-five. Miami continues to win. They won on Friday night to get to the Elite Eight, and they took out the other one seed. And as you mentioned. This is the first time in tournament history that there were no one seeds in the Elite Eight. 
Think about that. Think about how crazy that stat is. There was not a single one seed in the Elite Eight for the first time in the history of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think that speaks to what this season in college basketball is. Yeah. That I mean, stat right there. We, you, I was just a li- I was one round off for Alabama. I, I said that three of the one seeds would be done after the first first weekend. And it, I was wrong, but four one seeds were done after the first weekend plus one game. So So what you're saying just, is you were close. I was really <laughs> close. And honestly, like I having watched that um Houston team against really in all of their tournament games, I wasn't blown away by them. I thought they were I didn't think they were a national championship team. Um the argument could be made that Auburn should have beat them. Yeah, if you make free throws and you don't go four of 24 in the second half, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been a weird tournament, and I don't think it's done because we know that somebody's playing for a national championship out of Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. We'll have the question of the day. It revolves around the Final Four. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. On ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Here's the question, and it's a double-parter here. Which team that made the Final Four are you most surprised by? And which team that didn't make the Final Four are you most surprised by? 334-321-1390. Your Final Four is UConn, who demolished Gonzaga. We'll talk about that later, and, and I may or may not be looking forward to that conversation. Florida Atlantic takes down Kansas State in a fantastic game. Then, yesterday, you had Miami taking down Texas 88-81, to and San Diego State taking down Creighton 57-56. to So, Carter, which team that made the Final Four surprises you the most, and which team that didn't make the Final Four surprises you the most? I mean, I think it's FAU uh, making it to the Final Four because when you look at their entire path, they arguably should have lost to Memphis. A couple questionable calls at the end of that game allowed um, them just to secure that win. Refs missing a timeout by Memphis. Um, FAU getting under the foot of Kendrick Davis and having him roll his ankle and not be able to play at the end. That foul wasn't called either, even though that's part of the rules. Doesn't that seem um, like forever ago? And yeah, it was it does. two weeks ago? Yeah. Like, and So that's FAU. Then they played Fairly Dickinson, who gave them a game, but they benefited by uh, having a 16 seed upset a one seed for the second time ever. Then they went to a physical matchup with Tennessee, and Tennessee had the lead, and they hit a bunch of shots in the second half, came back and won. Great job there. But I really thought it was going to come to an end against uh, Kansas State. And I think when you you and I watched that game together, um, when you look at the fact that Keontae Johnson could not stay out of foul trouble, I think that was a huge uh, plus for 
can't uh, for FAU in that game. And then I'm still just dumbfounded that Marquise Noel gave the ball up at the end of that game, and they don't even get a shot off. That can't happen. It can't happen. He had been playing the best basketball of the tournament. He was the best player in the tournament. And I don't, I don't think it was that close. And on the final possession, he comes down. And yes, he was dribbling into what was going to be a double team. But he comes across the, the half-court line. And he passes it off to the right. And so the second defender of the double team pulls over and double teams his teammate. And I'm forgetting on who the exact teammate was. But Marquise Noel had been the best player in the NCAA tournament. And he had taken shot after shot. We know he was not scared to take a deep logo three with the March Madness on the logo. We're not, we know he wasn't worried about shooting it from there. But with the game on the line, the one time that you you and everybody in the gym knew who was going to take the shot, he passed it up. And yep. Kansas State ends up falling. And so, yeah, Florida Atlantic is my answer, too. And I think it'll probably be everybody's answer on which team that made the Final Four are you most surprised about because this is FAU's first time. Not only is this their first Final Four, that was their first Elite Eight appearance. And... The question for this FAU team is, should we be surprised by this? Because, yes, they were a nine seed, but Carter, they're 35-3. and three. Yep. They have three losses all year. They're and again, the most wins in college basketball this year because uh, nobody, nobody, the only team who had a chance to overtake them would have been Houston, who got bounced by Miami. Uh, yeah, no, it's amazing. It's It's incredible that they have done this. Um, they have now won, I believe, 11 straight games. They have the longest active win streak because, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's only four teams. Well, I guess there's yet NIT teams and yeah. CBI teams. By the way, <laughs> I think Conference USA has an opportunity to um, sweep all three tournaments and have the champion of all three. Has that ever, has that ever been done? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but that's so funny. That's a thing. That is awesome. I, look, I don't like the CBI or NIT. I, I just don't even like that they exist. But that's awesome if that ends up happening somehow, some way. I don't think it does, but hey, you never know. But yes, I think FAU is the team that surprises everybody uh, that didn't think they would get there. But this is the more interesting question, and we can talk about this more as the show goes on. Which team, and there may be a couple of them here, which team that didn't make the Final Four surprises you the most that they did not make it to Houston? If I was going to... Hmm. And there's some obvious ones. I mean, you could say any one seed, technically, but... I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because I didn't... I'm watching those teams. I, I've watched Alabama all year. I know that they were young. I know there was going to be a time where they ran into a cold, cold stretch and somebody was going to get them. I'll say Texas. I'll say Texas just because of the experience of that team, the way that they've handled everything all year. Uh, I mean, they've had to go through a lot of adversity, and they've got a bunch of seniors on that team. And they were playing really well. Those guards were playing very well. I thought they were going to get by Miami. I thought I think if you, if you play run that game back, I think Texas wins. And I think a full they were without uh, Disu, I believe. And, I mean, if a full-strength Texas, I think it's a Final Four team for sure. But credit to Miami for figuring out a way to get here. And a large portion of that is thanks to the unbelievable game by Jordan Miller, who went 7 of 7 from the field, 13 of 13 
from the free throw line had 27 points. I think he's the first person to go uh, 100% with at least seven field goals and seven free throws in an Elite Eight game since uh, Christian Leitner back in 92, I think. It's pretty good company. Yeah. How about that? How about that? So, I mean, awesome performance by him. Those Miami guards are incredible as well. Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack. Think about this. Nigel Pack was on Kansas State last year. Mm-hmm. Imagine Nigel Pack and Marquise Noel that'd be next nasty. Week with Keontae oh, Johnson. That'd be nasty, man. That would be really, really good. And think about this, Jim Laranega taking his second program to a Final Four. George Mason. George Mason, his first. And then now with Miami, which he's been in Miami a long time. And yes. this Miami team confuses the crap out of me. But, hey, they're playing well, and they have beaten everybody that they've that's been put in front of them. They started all the way back in the beginning with Drake, who a lot of people said was going to upset this Miami team. That was a very popular 12-5 upset. I mean, they, it was a it was a game that Drake had a chance yeah. to, to pull that upset. I've seen a lot of comparisons from Miami's Final Four run. It's very similar to Auburn's in 2019. And we can talk more about that here uh, in a second. Kind of. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. When you look at the teams they've beaten, yeah, absolutely. We'll talk more about that. I'll give my answer to the question of the day coming up in hour number two. But Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joins us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, uh, having some phone issues here at uh, in the station and, and across the building seems like our landlines uh, may, be, may be down a little bit from the storms, and so we are uh, working to get that fixed, and so... Uh, until then, it'll be us talking. Uh, we can talk more uh, college basketball. Is uh, hoping to get Joey Blackwell to join us, but uh, again, seems like our phones may be down due to uh, due to the weather. So if you've tried to call us in the last thirty minutes, we have no idea because uh, the phones aren't uh, aren't functioning right now. So we do apologize for that inconvenience and and apologize for uh, not being able to get Joey Blackwell on to talk about all things Alabama. But if we do get those things fixed in in the next few minutes, we will try to ring him and get him on but until then uh, we will continue talking about college basketball talking the final four uh, and talking about how the teams that are in this final four are not the ones that most people predicted and that includes an Alabama squad which we've talked about a little bit already and includes an Alabama squad that again we had this conversation a while back it had gotten to the point where we both said it was Final Four or bust for this Alabama team, and oh, here yeah. we are. They lose to San Diego State in the Sweet 16. Doesn't this sound familiar? The best Alabama team of all time wins the SEC regular season, wins the conference tournament, all this hype, potential national championship pick for everybody around the country, and they get bounced in the, in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. It feels like 2021, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems to be a little similar. And this team, not only were they a one seed, they were the number one overall seed. They had the best player in the conference in Brandon Miller. They had what seemed to be their best team 
maybe ever. And when you looked at their path to get to the Final Four, it wasn't the scariest thing ever, right? You played the 16 seed out of the gate. You looked good there. Then you played a Maryland team, and Al- you were either going to play Maryland or West Virginia. And yes, you had picked Maryland, but Alabama handled business there, right, Carter? I mean, they they beat them 73-51. Like, it, it wasn't even hard for Alabama to win that game. Then you start looking ahead, and it's like, okay, they're going to play San Diego State or Furman, and if they win that game, they're going to play a combination of Creighton, Baylor, Missouri, and Princeton, and ends up it was Creighton and Princeton and it turns out they would have ended up playing Creighton but San Diego State like we talked about on Friday used their size they used their experience and they used their physicality and they just beat Alabama down the stretch they beat them 71 to 64 and so you look at this and you're like okay was the path for Alabama all that difficult no I don't think so but San Diego State's a good squad I mean they're in the final four so you can't say it wasn't hard because they lost to the eventual champion of that region but again I don't think it's the most difficult thing we've seen yeah I mean it's not the most difficult path I think they got a decent draw with their um region but within that I do think it was probably the most difficult um path that could have set up because I think Maryland's better than West West Virginia. Granted, that Maryland team just quit in that game. And that was really dumbfounding to me to see a team with that level of senior leadership on the team to just decide with sixteen minutes left in the game, like, oh like we aren't we aren't good enough to be this team. This team's more talented than us. Like it's not even worth fighting. And that's how you go from a what, six, seven-point game to losing by 22 and only scoring 51 points. But then they ran into San Diego State, who I think had a different mentality. I think San Diego State was a tougher matchup for Alabama than, I mean, any of the other options at that point in time. Mm -hmm. College of Charleston, Furman, Virginia. San Diego State was the hardest one because they played great defense. Uh, They had a sign. I'm trying to find it on Twitter. Um about 40 minutes of um, effort and defense travels and all this stuff that has been with them since the first game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that that's the epitome of the San Diego State team. Um, but had Alabama beaten San Diego State, they would have drawn Creighton, which to me, out of the other side, I think is probably the, best, the, the toughest matchup they could have gotten. Because I, I think that that... I think that Creighton team was the most talented team in the bottom half of the bracket because of what we saw, the, the inconsistencies we saw from Baylor down the stretch where their defense wasn't great and those guards could go cold. And when those guards go cold, they're in trouble. Uh, I know Missouri played some tough games against Alabama, but they lack size and they had not shown that they could beat Alabama. And Arizona, I mean, yeah, they, they, they were the two seed, but they've been, I've been a little wary about them all year. Ever since watching uh, Washington State go to their place and really dominate them. Mm-hmm. And so I thought when I looked at this, I mean, preseason top 10 Creighton was probably the toughest draw Alabama could get, and they would have gotten them, but they didn't make it there. And so, I mean, I think that, yes, you can argue 
the region in and of itself should have been pretty easy on paper. But the draw they would have gotten to get to the Final Four was about as difficult as I think it could have gotten in this region. And eventually they tripped up. I mean, but but that happened to, I mean, you look at the other side. I mean, I think for Houston, the toughest matchups they could have gotten were Auburn, Miami, and Texas. Same deal. Same deal in those matchups. Um, I mean, Purdue got bounced, so didn't really matter there. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, I mean, I think, I think had Kansas as a one seed gotten through, I think they would have seen about as tough of a run to the Final Four uh, as there could have been with Arkansas, the eight seed. With the ceiling we know that Arkansas team had, UConn, who right now I think is the best team in the country with the way they're playing. Kim Palm agrees. They're the number one team in Kim Palm as of this morning. I think most people would say that just based off of how they're playing over the past four days. I think it can, you can argue it's a little bit of a wash between Gonzaga and UCLA as far as what that matchup would have been for, for Kansas. But, I mean, the paths for the one seeds, with the exception of Purdue... It, it obviously was tough for Purdue because they couldn't get past the almighty 16 seed Fairleigh Dickinson. Who, again, didn't win a conference tournament had to play a play-in game, essentially, against Texas Southern, in which they were a two-and-a-half-point underdog, beat them, turned around, and beat Purdue. Yeah, good for them. being the shortest team in America and Purdue being the tallest effective height team in the country. Yeah, well, no, you're absolutely right. When you look at, when you look at the one seeds and their paths to a Final Four, it wasn't exactly easy. And that's why we're seeing... We had the first Elite Eight ever that did not have a one seed in it. And obviously, there's no one seed in the Final Four. So, yeah, we knew it was going to be wild. But I just don't think we knew it was going to be this wild. And for that Alabama team, you come up short again. You have a lot of great talent. You have a really good team. You've got a good coach in Nate Oates but you fall short again. And so you kind of wonder where that team is going to be, where that program is going to go. What's that team going to look like next year? Yeah, exactly. Well, who's going to be there and who's not going to be there? I'm assuming Quinterly is coming back for year six. I mean, I don't see him going pro. Quinterly's back. I don't know what the status of some of the other guys on the team. I mean, we know Brandon Miller's gone. So right there, that's a that's a huge hole in that program. Mm-hmm. The guy who willed them to wins this year, he's gone because he's going to be a top five pick as of right now. Um, you look at other, I mean, does Jaden Bradley test the waters and potentially think about going to the NBA? Possibly. Um, Mark Sears, he's a junior, played really well this year. I mean, how much higher is his stock going to go? I mean, Noah Clowney was really good. As a freshman, I don't think he's going to go. I think he's going to come back because he's going to have a more featured role on this next year's team. But then, I mean, I do wonder about a guy like Betty Ako. Is Betty Ako's stock going to get higher than it is right now? Because, I mean, he like he was really good. He really was. Be- Betty Ako was a dirty work or dirty work kind of guy for that Alabama team. And against that San Diego State team that they were taller than. He kind of kept him in the game for a little bit. Yeah. Like, he went on a run where, he, coming out of half, I want to say, where he looked unbelievable. Um, see, if, see if I can find it. He goes, layup, dunk, I see that. I mean, 
he was pretty good in that in that matchup. I mean, I don't know what he can add to his game to get that much better. But he goes five of seven from the field, ten points, grabs seven boards. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see what this Alabama roster looks like and if the ceiling under Nate Oates is ever this high ever again. Yeah, and it's going to depend on how they consistently and how they continue to recruit and if they're able to get continue to bring high-level talent to Alabama. It also depends on if Nate Oates stays at Alabama. I think that's a reasonable question, too, with just given how coaches move around in today's game, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's going anywhere, but you never know. You absolutely never know. And so how about this, though? No SEC team at a conference where you could make the argument it was anywhere from third to fifth in in best conferences in college basketball, I, I think. I think it was third. I think it was third, in my opinion. No SEC teams make it to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. They all fell by the Sweet 16. All eight of them were out by the Sweet 16. You know, as I made a joke to you when we were watching the games on um, – I guess it may have been on Thursday when we were watching Tennessee uh, play. No, we were we were watching Arkansas get blown out, um, and I was like, maybe maybe the SEC goes over three in the Sweet Sixteen. Maybe maybe they do. I was like, maybe they get blown out in all three, and that'd be. I mean, with the fact that I think everybody was pretty united in rooting against Alabama, considering all of the stuff surrounding that program. Yeah, no, I think it was uh I didn't think it would actually happen because I thought Tennessee was going to be too physical for um for that FAU team. Turns out they may have been too like over the line physical. Blackjitch yeah. throwing elbows. Um but yeah, I mean, it was fascinating to watch this SEC that I think there's been this fight uh between fan bases in the league. I think I've seen, um, if you follow him on Twitter, he's at Orange and Drew. Mm-hmm. Seen him on Twitter. He's been arguing that um, the SEC's down this year, and he had Alabama, Drew Oldham, um, he had Alabama fans all in his mentions about how they had the most teams in the tournament, the SEC did, yada, yada, yada. And he's been taking some victory laps with the fact that the SEC had zero teams in the Elite Eight. But is he wrong? Uh, I mean, I think no, the SEC was down. down this year. And I yeah. think we talked how college basketball was down this year. But if you just want to highlight Tennessee, the SEC. Tennessee's probably the worst four seed the SEC's had in a tournament in a long time. Yeah. And Alabama's probably the worst one seed that the SEC's had in a long time. I mean, j- just because we're, we're, we're talking about how weak the one seeds were this year. We're talking about how weak college basketball was as a whole. But, I mean, after that, your next highest seed was Kentucky at six? Yeah, you had Kentucky six, Missouri A&M at seven, seven. Missouri Auburn at seven. Yeah, Missouri at seven, Auburn nine. Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, it's a, it's a, it was a weak year for the SEC. It was. It was. Could yeah. it bounce back? Yeah. But, it, but I, think two, I think last year, the SEC was very strong. I think you, with, with, especially when you look at the fact that, like, those top teams, Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, um, Tennessee, I think they lost one total home game, all of SEC play, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And you saw what A&M did at the end of the year, getting red hot. 
and Alabama was good. You had all of those teams, I think. I think the SEC was stronger, had a stronger top at least, at least, last year than this year. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But for for SEC fans or fans of SEC schools to to get upset about the argument that the SEC was down as a basketball conference, I think that's a true statement. And when you look at, yes, Alabama was a one seed. They were the best team in college basketball for a long time, but they get bounced in the Sweet 16. Then you have teams like Tennessee who we did not think they were a great four seed. Yes, they beat Duke, but I didn't think they were all that as a four seed. And then you have Kentucky as a six seed who gets bounced in the second round by a good Kansas State team. You have Auburn, who is a nine seed that gets bounced in the second round. I mean, the SEC didn't do a whole lot this year in the NCAA tournament. And when your big name programs like Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky, when they combine for two sweet 16 appearances, Arkansas, when they all combine for three sweet 16 appearances and nobody makes it out you could say that's a down year and the sec should expect to have a team make it past the sweet 16 the big 12 did the big east did those conferences had teams make it past the sweet 16 and so i think for the sec the acc had a team make it out of the sweet 16 they've got a team in the final four and that conference is horrible so the sec can be, it's okay to say that it was a down year. Hey, it's okay. And good for the Mountain West. What a, what a bounce back year yeah. after last year. They were eliminated from the NCAA tournament. I think they got four or five teams in. They were eliminated from the NCAA tournament in 10 hours. They've got a team in the Final Four. Yes. They had a chance to go play for the National Championship. Absolutely. How awesome is that? College basketball, <laughs> man. It is fantastic. Well, again, apologies for uh, not being able to get Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here to join us. Our phone lines are out currently uh, here at the station. It seems like uh, there's a lot of phone issues going on right now around Auburn with the weather that came through last night and this morning. So uh, if you've been trying to call in and you're not getting anywhere, we apologize. We are getting it worked on, getting it fixed as soon as possible. Uh, but we got to get to our final break here in hour number one. Uh, this is normally where I plug the phone line, but just don't think I'm going to do that right now because you're not going to get very far. So we'll let you up, keep you updated and let you know when things change. But we'll come back and wrap up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Again, apologies for uh, not having Joey on today. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central having some phone issues given the weather. And so uh, that also will... uh, uh, kind of limits you to calling in so as soon as we get that fixed we will let you know and the phone lines will be open back up but carter we got a few minutes left and just to kind of keep talking basketball a little bit and we'll talk some auburn athletics coming up in hour number two but uh when you look at this this season and this tournament for march madness i mean it it, it truly is just wild to look at some of the games and results that we saw i mean you had the way that Tech, speaking of the SEC, you had the way that Texas A&M just flamed out at the end. 
right, where they came into the NCAA tournament and just got embarrassed by Penn State after falling way short in the SEC tournament, after having what was probably their best year as a program since they've been in the SEC. And they just were done. They just checked out at the end yeah, of the that year. That was crazy to and, see them, yeah. them fall on their face the way that they did. I mean, how disappointing is that for Texas A&M fans? Like they have to be just so disappointed because that season they started out low and they just slowly climbed and they built a lot of momentum and they were bought in was Texas A&M fans and then that's the way it ends. I mean, that's that's rough. That's a rough and a long off season for Buzz Williams over at Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, you you look at everything about that program this year you had oh like don't rank or like rank us hashtag don't rank us don't rank us whatever side they were on that all fired up um didn't get the respect in the net rankings and Kim Palm and all those things because of how they played in non-conference play uh they get the two seed in the SEC tournament uh they get blown out by Alabama which was wild considering they beat them like a week before they beat them a week before and then get blown out in the rematch. Um, and then they get the bad seed. They get they get seeded a seven seed when they should have been a five, maybe a six, maybe a six if you're going to be on the low end. Yeah, no less than a five, though. And they get a seven. Um, and so they're all fired up about that. And then they let, at the time probably a top five hottest team in America and Penn State mm-hmm. beat them uh, and not only beat them blow them out yeah they caught blow a haymaker from from Penn State out and they got the worst from everybody's uh favorite random Penn State guard Andrew Funk who went eight of ten from three against them that's so awesome <laughs> that's so good and Yeah, I think that's... You want to talk about a surprise from the tournament? It's Texas A&M ending their season the way that they did. We're out of time here in hour number one, but coming up in hour two, we'll talk to scrimmage notes from Auburn football on Friday. The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody, as hour number two of the Monday edition of On the Line is underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it right after the show at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. It'll be right there. Or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcasts where we talked about 
all things college basketball in the first hour, breaking down the tournament, the games over the weekend, the final four as San Diego State takes on FAU and Miami takes on UConn. We talked about teams that surprised us that are in the final four, teams that surprised us that are not in the final four. I'll give my answer to that coming up in just a little bit. We normally have Joey Blackwell on Mondays. Uh, We were unable to get him as we are uh, still experiencing some phone troubles. And so uh, if you do try to give us a call and you don't get through, that is why. But we will keep you updated on that as soon as possible. So uh, the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. But as of right now, uh, nothing probably won't come through. A lot of phone issues going on with the weather that came through last night and this morning uh, here in the Auburn Opelika area. So it's not just us. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are uh, dealing with some outages given the weather. But we will keep you updated on that. But here coming up in hour number two, we're going to talk the Auburn football scrimmage from Friday, talk about some of the uh, results and notes that we were uh, able to see and hear from uh, the scrimmage on Friday, sort of where everything stands with Auburn football as spring practice rolls on. And then hopefully, coming up at 3.30, we'll have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network to talk all things Auburn athletics as it was a busy weekend for the Tigers on the Plains and beyond. So that's what's coming up here in hour number two. And Carter, we'll start again with the scrimmage on Friday Getting some information and some familiar names. Had some pretty good performances. We'll start in the running back room where Jarquez Hunter, who... Seems to be that go-to guy right now for Auburn. Seems to be that number one back in this spring. And you would think to come out of the spring, he did okay on Friday in the scrimmage. Yeah, he had a 50-yard touchdown run, which um, gives you a couple, I guess, kind of thoughts with one. um, He's showing some breakaway speed. We knew he was fast. I think um, think he's faster than Tank. I, I, I will concede that point. Uh, he also might be stronger than Tank just because he's a weight room warrior. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's that's good to see. That gives me a belief that the offensive line is run blocking better than it had been uh, with the transfers of Gunnar Stockton, um, Dylan Wade, Avery Jones, um, all of those guys, Jeremiah Wright, um, and then I guess Isavian Miller, who... I am, I am curious to hear more about what's all going on uh, at um, one of the guard spots. Do we see Isavian Miller? Do we see um, maybe um, Cam Stutz or somebody like that? We know Tate Johnson was somebody who was getting a lot of praise early in fall or in spring practice, uh, but he's obviously out with an elbow injury. I'm that's something I'm going to keep an eye on is seeing who turns out uh, as the I guess it doesn't matter which guard but the who fills the two guard spots Mm because I think Jeremiah Wright's one of them Um, but I think it's big to see that I think when you look at the defense I hear great things on the back end Uh, DJ James picked off Robbie Ashford and and uh, had a pick six so I mean that that's pretty impressive right there Um, and when you look at a uh, guy like Kagan Lee, who's getting a ton of buzz right now. A ton of buzz for for Kagan Lee. Uh, I think he's been maybe the most impressive guy um, over the past, or, or newcomer to this DB's room. I think he's been really, really good um, and potentially might shake up 
the playing like rotation this this year in 2023. Um, but the DBs are strong. Linebackers are the question on defense. Don't know a lot about it. Uh, I do think it's interesting that I did see that uh, Robert Woodyard and Wesley Steiner were were working as the one group mm-hmm. in linebacker at linebacker, which is certainly fascinating. It's not the expected group, and it's not the go-to expected names you'd think to see there. But in in you know, there's there's all different factors, right? With that, uh, is it something that? The coaching staff was like, let's see how this works today, or maybe that's where they're leaning as of right now. There's a lot of factors there, but I want to go back to the DJ James interception on Robbie Ashford. Without us seeing this play live and video and all that, just your initial thought on this, Carter, and I, and, and I want to, to pose this to our listeners as well. When you hear the statement, that DJ James picked off Robbie Ashford for a pick six. Does that make you feel better about DJ James, who is a stud back there and we know how good he is? Does that speak more to his skill set in the back? Or does that get you a little more worried about Robbie, where we know his accuracy issues may still be there? All right, so I I think without having seen the play or being there live or anything... I tend to lean towards DJ James made a great play with how good he is at corner. I think he's one of the most underrated corners in the country. Um, I think he is Auburn's next high draft pick at corner. Um, I'm a little surprised that he's not getting the hype that I feel like he deserves with the way that he played last year. Um, Although I do think Robbie Ashford is struggling. And I think he struggled on Friday from what I've heard. Um, I don't think it was a great outing by him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting to see some of the names emerge. Um, not shocked DJ James is on that list. He's played extremely well in his time at Auburn. He was good at Oregon. He's good at Auburn. Um, he's great at Auburn. But to hear some of the other guys kind of step up around him is certainly encouraging. And I, and I think Auburn's going to be a really difficult... If Auburn gets the pass rush, which I do think they got, uh, maybe a little better than than we would have thought in this scrimmage on Friday because you had, by my count, you had Justin Rogers get a sack, you had Jason Jones get a sack, and I think it was Marcus Harris that got a sack as well. Not only is that three sacks for that D-line, those are big dudes getting mm-hmm. sacks. Those are guys that are pressuring up the middle, collapsing the pocket up front, which helps a lot when you got to flush out to the sides. It'll it'll allow for guys like Keldrick Falk um, or, or to, to make plays. And I... We saw that in 2019 when Derrick Brown was just a force. I mean, we saw Derrick Brown literally pick up an LSU offensive guard and throw him into Joe Burrow for <laughs> yeah, a sack. Yeah, he did. Um, so, but if you're getting that push up the middle, I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by the sack totals by the D-line because it was a big question mark. Could this group get that elite pass rush? And that's that's been one of the biggest question marks for this this team going into 23. To pose a similar question, hearing the fact that the defensive line got three sacks from three different dudes, 
does that give you confidence on where the defensive line is moving? Or does that make you worry about the offensive line? And these are all hypotheticals. I mean, we're we're at the end of March, and there's still a long way to go with spring, summer, and into fall. But just to to play this game a little bit, hearing and knowing that you have three guys on the defensive line, each get a sack, where we know the offensive line has question marks and still working through some things, and I think that's important to state as well, does that give you confidence on where the defensive line is going or worried about where the offensive line is as of right now? I think there's some nuance to this because I think to me, the easiest thing when you bring in fresh bodies on the defensive line is run blocking because your your assignments are easier to figure out, um, especially against this defense that we know Ron Roberts is going to run. And I think this offensive line is doing a good job. The first-team offensive line is doing a good job running the football. I think they might be struggling a little bit in pass pro, which is something that that requires a lot more communication. you got to know where you're sliding to. you got to know all these things. Who could potentially be coming and bringing you pressure? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we know that Ron Roberts likes to have simulated pressures. He likes to bring people from... Uh, different angles, weird spots. He likes to drop some defense alignment into coverage. And I think that it's something that will come with time with this group because there's so many new faces. We know that there's, what, four or five new faces on the offensive line that have walked in the door this spring. I think as you figure out the communication, the chemistry of that group, it, it'll get better. I think that they, it is... Totally, totally acceptable to say it's kind of a wash between the offensive line and defensive line because I think the offensive line is getting good push. They're running the ball well, struggling in pass pro. The D-line may be struggling a little bit at stopping the run right now. I don't think it's going to be a problem by the time the season comes along because this group is massive. They're mm-hmm. huge. There's so many guys over 300 pounds. I mean, Marcus Harris, who's been playing D-tackle for two years in the SEC, is playing D-in at, what, 275, 280? Yeah. Uh, and... and the fact that they're getting pass rush is certainly encouraging. I look to I need to hear more about Elijah McAllister. That's the one guy I've heard he's starting at Jack, but I haven't heard a lot about it. I've heard a lot about Keldrick Falk. Mm-hmm. Keldrick Falk apparently looks like he could be something special even in year one. And so I'm encouraged about that. Which but. we said when when he came to Auburn when it was like well, we we said when he went to Under Armour All American game practice yeah. and was unbelievable and was six foot five, two hundred seventy five pounds, was the fastest and strongest guy coming off the edge there and just had an unbelievable motor. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think he's going to be a guy who continues to be special and I am I think he can give you some production, but you gotta figure out your jack pr- production off the edge for sure. To answer those questions myself, I'll start with the defensive line, offensive line. I'm not worried, and I like how you talked about the offensive line and how it's going to take some time for them to gel. It's going to take some time to figure out who's going to go where. We have a pretty good idea of the guys that will be on that offensive line, but maybe move them around in different spots and figure out who is best at which position. And things will happen over time, and they will get better as the season approaches. But when you talk about the defensive line getting pressure and getting sacks in a scrimmage, that's big because 
what was the issue with Auburn's defensive line? They couldn't get any pressure, and they would let opposing quarterbacks sit back there all day and all night long and pick them apart. And the secondary can only defend for so long. Like yeah. you can only you can only stay with your man or stay Agreed. in zone for so long. And the defensive line was not helping with that. And so to hear the fact that they are getting pressure, yes, it's a scrimmage, yes, it's early, but the fact that they are getting pressure and you had three different guys getting sacks. I think is really, really important, and that makes me excited, and it makes me feel better about where they are. Yes, they still have to maybe run block a little bit better, uh, but it's good to hear that they're at least getting some pressure, and there are guys that are capable of doing that. When I look at the question I posed to you, DJ James picking off Robbie Ashford, again, without seeing it, being there, watching it, whatever, I'm going to go with a worry of Robbie Ashford still. Because, yes, DJ James is really, really good in the back end. He is very, very skilled. He's a veteran guy. He knows what he's doing. We've seen him make incredible plays, and it probably was an incredible play. But Robbie Ashford has got to find a way to be accurate. He has to find a way to not put balls in situations where they could be picked off. And I don't know if that's it. It doesn't sound like he's quite there yet. And it's go again. It's going to take some time to get him better, but if he doesn't get better quickly, he may not get the job. It may be somebody on the roster. It may be somebody who's not here yet. I don't know, but Robbie Ashford's got to find a way to get better at throwing the football because, yes, I know he's good running, and I know he's an athlete, but the quarterback still has got to throw, and you've got to be able to make a pass, and if Robbie Ashford can't figure out a way to do that and is putting passes in bad situations and putting his receivers in bad spots and not being able to complete the simple plays that's going to hurt Robbie Ashford at Auburn and so when I hear and you learn that DJ James intercepted Robbie Ashford it probably was an incredible play but what if it wasn't and I think it's something I mean, to I mean it's fair but but we we just don't know no that's and that's and that's a hundred percent this is all hypothetical and this is all just us going back and forth and talking about the very limited things that we know, and that's just, again, that's where we are. We don't know what it was like, and that's, again, it's all hypothetical stuff, but it's still a pick is a pick on both sides. Sacks are sacks, pressure's pressure, so stats don't lie in this situation. It does sound to me that TJ Finley and Holden Gurner were the two better of the quarterbacks. Um, I think you look at... I mean, it, it's difficult to throw on the on these DBs because you got Keontae Scott, Kay and Lee, uh, and you've got DJ James back there. And, I mean, you've got guys all over the field. Nehemiah Pritchett's got tons of experience. Donovan Kaufman, Zion Puckett, Jalen Simpson. Uh, you got so many experienced guys back there, and it's so deep that, I mean, I think it's difficult to pass on them. Uh, I'm curious to hear more about DeMario Tolan. I know he's small for a linebacker, but I think he's just... I think he's so athletic, so fast. I think he's got one of the most aggressive motors on the team. Um, curious to see what the linebacker rotation looks like. Um, Austin Keys is a guy that I'm hurt a little bit, but I want to hear more. Robert Woodyard, I think, has had a really good spring. And I think Robert Woodyard has put himself in a position where he could start this uh, fall. I look at other guys on the offense that I find um, I find notable. I think Cam Brown is your number one receiver. I think Nick Mardner is your second receiver. 
and I've heard that he's really starting to turn a corner and play better ball um, and use that really big frame. And I think if he can be a really good number two opposite Cam Brown, because Cam, Cam Brown, I think, has the potential to be Auburn's first under Q Freeze, A.J. Brown kind of guy. A.J. Brown, like six foot three, really strong, physical, athletic. Uh, and then you got Rivaldo Fairweather, who I think is going to be a difference maker at tight end. I think he's going to be special. And I don't think we've seen an athlete at tight end for Auburn like that in a long, long time. Hugh Freeze has a press conference uh, coming up this afternoon. Uh, we will hopefully be able to pull some audio from that tomorrow and play that and see what he has to say about that scrimmage, about what's going on in spring practice, and get an update on all of the positions and the guys that we have been talking about. So excited to see what he has to say later on today. And again, hopefully I will be able to pull some audio from that and play it here on the show tomorrow. But let's get to our first break here in hour number two. When we come back, we'll have question of the day to circle back to basketball a little bit. And uh, I'll give my answer on which team that made the Final Four surprises you the most and which teams that didn't make the Final Four surprises you the most. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Uh, phone outages across the area still uh, plaguing us, unfortunately. And so we are uh, working to get that fixed. So if you've tried to call in and it it kicks you straight to, uh, it doesn't even go to voicemail, I don't think. It just goes to uh Uh, no call and so uh, if that is the case for you we apologize we are working on that and trying to uh, get that fixed and alerting uh, those that need to be alerted with that so uh, it seems like with the weather that came through uh, phones are down across the area here in Auburn Opelika so again if you're trying to call in we do apologize but question of the day and Carter you gave your answers back in the first hour I'll give my answers here in hour number two talking about the NCAA tournament and the final four which is uh, the San Diego State versus Florida Atlantic, and then Miami and UConn. And the question in double question is, which team that made the Final Four surprises you the most, and which teams or teams that did not make the Final Four surprises you the most? And uh, the common answer, and I think the only correct answer, is FAU, who is a nine seed who Mm. made the Final Four after what was a pretty difficult trek I mean they had to beat Memphis a really tough team a team that I had winning that game and beating Purdue in the round of 32 that didn't obviously happen FAU beat Memphis and fairly Dickinson took down Purdue but then think about how difficult this is as FAU going into that round of 32 game you're taking on Fairleigh Dickinson, the 16 seed, who just beat Purdue, the one seed, the second time it's ever happened in the NCAA tournament. Fairleigh Dickinson has all the momentum, and they have the entire country supporting them because it's the it's the start of a Cinderella, right? It's the start of a 16 seed trying to make a run. And FAU was able to go in and close out the noise, and they win 78 to 70. And then they move on, and they play a Tennessee team who plays rugby, football, whatever, and 
nobody really gave them a chance because Tennessee was just too good physically and Tennessee's defense is too good and no way that FAU can match up with this Tennessee squad and they were down for most of the game and then a little run at the end Tennessee couldn't score enough to do it and they beat Tennessee 62 to 55 then in the Elite Eight they play a Kansas State team from the almighty bad Big 12. A Kansas State team that is really, really good and has mm-hmm. probably the best player in the tournament, Marquise Noel, who played out of his mind. But FAU hung around, they played really well, and they beat Kansas State 79-76 to get to the Final Four. Yes, this team has 30-plus wins. They've lost only three times all year long. But for the first time, FAU is in the Final Four, and I think that's a shock to absolutely everybody. Now, the team that didn't make the Final Four that surprises me the most is Marquette. The two-seed Marquette out of the Big East I had them winning it a lot in a lot of my brackets, and I think that's a really, really good Marquette team. They've got a lot of good guard play. That's just a tough squad, man, and they're coming out again of the Big East, which I think is the second-best conference in college basketball this year, and they fall short to Tom Izzo and Michigan State in the round of 32 to Mr. March, and I think Marquette is good enough to win a national championship, but... They obviously didn't. They didn't get close. And I think that's my pick is Marquette not making the Final Four is the biggest shock to me. Yeah, and I mean, I really thought they were going to get through that Michigan State team. I was um, shocked that they didn't. I know that Michigan State team is good. I know Tom Izzo is a great coach. Um, But, man, I thought that Marquette team was primed to make a deep run. Uh, unfortunately, they did not for both of our brackets, um, for all of my brackets, because I think I had them in the elite or in the final four in all of them. Um, and yeah, uh, that Kansas State Michigan State game was awesome as well. Yes, so it was. Credit to Michigan State for giving us some some really good uh, some really good games. By the way, just got this ESPN update. Rodney Terry agrees to a five year deal to be Texas's next head coach. Good. Good. I knew it was it was going that direction. There were the reports last night that he was going to be the head coach. Yeah, I just got the update myself. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Rodney Terry, yeah, agrees to a five year deal to be Texas's new men's basketball coach. Much deserved. Much deserved. Well deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that that should have it. Borderline should have already happened, but yes. Rodney Terry taking over at Texas during a very difficult time when. Chris Beard was when Chris Beard was fired and let go that has all since been cleared up but I'm sure he will have a uh, a nice little discussion with them about that but yeah Roddy Terry took over and you could tell how much that team loved him they played for him they were together he took them over yes there's a lot of talent on that team but they could have folded and crumbled easily and they didn't and they made a run to the elite eight had a chance to beat Miami to get to the final four so Good for them. Good for Texas and Rodney Terry to make that happen because it absolutely should have happened. Yeah, I mean, I I thought they should have done it sooner because I think it could have been a little extra energy going into that Elite Eight game. Um, And, you know, I think it's unfortunate that they're not there uh, in the Final Four. I think that you could have created a really cool moment where interim head coach if they had gotten through Miami, had a chance to win a national championship. Um, and I guess Disu could have been back for the Final Four. 
I know he's in a boot for the last couple days, but yeah, good for Rodney Terry. He deserves it, and going to be curious to see what he does in the future. And how about that matchup of Miami and UConn? Should be a lot of fun with San Diego State and FAU on the other side. When we come back, we'll talk some more Auburn athletics and everything else going on in the world of sports. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, no Jacob Hillman today. Uh, again, still dealing with some phone issues. Uh, not just us. It seems like a lot of phone lines are down uh, across uh, the Auburn Opelika area given the storms that came through last night and really this morning as well. And so uh, phones have been pretty much down the entire time. And so we apologize to anybody who's been trying to call in. Uh, and we also apologize for not being able to bring our guest on on today due to the phone issues but we'll continue to talk everything going on in Auburn athletics we'll see if we can make up for Jacob Hillman and see if we can uh, give give the information as well as he does and so Carter as we look around Auburn athletics this weekend very busy uh, you had one again shouted it out first in the first hour but want to say it again congratulations to the Auburn equestrian team for winning the SEC championship for I believe the fifth time in a row so that's impressive and we know how good they are uh just dominance with Auburn equestrian uh, over the past few years so congratulations to them you had baseball this weekend you had softball this weekend uh just a very busy time as we get into the spring sports for Auburn athletics yeah, I mean, it's it's that time of year where you've always got stuff going on. I mean, I know women's golf had a great weekend. I think they, yes. won, they won a tournament as uh, as well. I mean, uh, it's impressive. It's impressive the way that some of these programs, how they've elevated and uh, been playing very well. We know the men's golf team has been really good this year as well. Um, I think men's and women's tennis has done fairly well as mm-hmm. well. I know the... Was it the women's tennis team or was it the men's tennis team that upset number four South Carolina uh, this past weekend? It was one of the two. It was one of the two. I can't remember which one it was. I'm sure you're about to tell me though. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, and I, my stat about Equestrian was correct. Their fifth straight SEC title uh, for Auburn Equestrian. They defeat Texas A&M 13 to six. And so, how impressive the is that? Men's tennis team, I believe that. Uh, no, they're ranked 18th in the country. They upset South Carolina in Columbia. Um, that's big for them. Yes, that's it is, and that, that's a really good. That's a really good Auburn men's team because um, I, I talked to I talked to their coach a while back, and what a great conversation that was talking about that team. And, and they've had a really really impressive year so far. The women as well, and and uh, exciting to see the spring sports really get going for Auburn, uh, not just baseball, softball, but all these other sports we're talking about. Seems like uh, success is, is really, really high right now for these spring squads. Yeah, 100%. And I I love seeing these teams have um, high levels of success. I think both tennis teams split their two uh, meets this weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging to see um, so many Auburn programs playing well. 
Um, and you love to see it. You really do. Well, we'll talk about baseball a little bit as Auburn came back home this weekend after uh, getting swept versus Arkansas last weekend in their SEC series opener. Uh, they lost 7-2, to 9-3, and 5-0. Then, during the midweek, they went, to, went, went down to Montgomery to the Riverwalk Stadium and played South Alabama, where they had to battle out a 6-5 to five win over a, a good South Alabama squad in the midweek on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You come home, and your first SEC home series of the year, you're playing Georgia, and it's a Georgia squad that, no, they're not going to blow you away with with numbers or stats or anything, but they're a solid squad, and Auburn was able to come home and get a series win, their first one in SEC play, seven to six in extra innings on Thursday night. Then on Friday, they beat Georgia six to three. And uh, the game on Saturday, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, we we yeah. don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. You know, <laughs> it was a really good game for seven innings until it wasn't. <laughs> it was an eight until to seven game going into the top of the eighth. Where Georgia scores 16 runs. 16 runs. Um, and then, yeah. I mean, when you give up a 16-run inning, it's really hard to win games. Yeah, and that's how you get a 24-7 to result in the series finale. But... Auburn wins the series regardless. They beat Georgia two out of three. Again, they win on Thursday, seven to six in extras and six to three on Friday. They lose 24 to seven on Saturday. That's one of those games where you just got to shake it off and move on. You won the series and you should be feeling pretty good. Don't really dive into that one a whole lot if you're Auburn in my opinion Uh, you have North Alabama coming to town tomorrow UNA will play Auburn tomorrow at six o'clock at Plainsman Park and for this Auburn team I think it's really important that they got a series win coming off the sweep against Arkansas where you just fell short every game and and really couldn't ever get any momentum going to be able to get your first SEC series win uh, of the year and against Georgia, which is always a good thing for Auburn to beat Georgia. Um, I I think it's a good sign for Auburn as you look ahead, having to take a trip to Florida this weekend. Yeah, that's a Florida team that's really good. They're five and one in SEC play. Uh, They've, they've been impressive. They took two out of three against Alabama. And then I think they swept Ole Miss this past weekend. Which, that's a conversation in itself. Mississippi State and Ole Miss, man. What has happened? 0-6. Both of them are. 0-12. Uh, I think, um, I don't know the exact number. It's either 16 or 17. Mississippi State has dropped 16 or 17 straight SEC games. And I think they've they've given up, they gave up like 73 runs or something or more uh, in the first six games of conference play this year. I mean, what's happening? Yeah, it's been really, really ugly. Uh, it certainly has been. And you've got uh, Jack Cagliannon at uh, Florida, who is somebody Auburn's going to get to see this weekend. He pitches and hits. He is uh, college baseball Shohei Otani. He is really good on the mound. He has 33 strikeouts this season. He has 17 home runs. Oh. They have played 26 games. He has 17 home runs. I mean, that's not bad. He hit four this past weekend at Ole Miss. Good Lord. That's impressive, man. That's really, really impressive. And you look at what Florida has done 
in their first two series in SEC play against number 24 Alabama. They took two out of three, as you mentioned, three nothing, eight seven, and then lost the finale six to three. Then they play at Florida State in the midweek because that's just an easy midweek game. Why not go play Florida State out of conference and you beat them nine to five? Then you go on the road and you take on number 13 Ole Miss and you go nine seven victory. 12-8 victory, 7-4 victory. You sweep Ole Miss in preparation to play Florida State again, and then you play Auburn this weekend. Yeah. Florida's playing pretty well. Yeah, Florida, Florida's playing well. I mean, the SEC is so interesting this year. South Carolina and Vanderbilt are 6-0 and through the first two series. Uh, Kentucky and Florida are 5-1. and So the East looks extremely strong. Tennessee... You know, that Tennessee team, they got swept in the first series. Well, they swept in their second series, so now they're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, That Missouri team, I think, uh, took it on the chin. They are 3-3 three and three after sweeping last week. Uh, the West is a little more muddy. You've got LSU and Arkansas at 4-2, and two, um, and then you've got Auburn and Alabama at 2-4. and four. Then the bottom of the, of the West is really ugly. you got 1-5 Texas A&M, 0-6 Ole Miss, 0-6 Mississippi State. I mean, that's just wild to look at. That's wild to look at. The fact that Ole Miss and Mississippi State are off to a slow start as they are. I don't want to say they're bad because it's early. And you know, the bottom two teams in the conference don't go to Hoover to play in the SEC tournament. Wouldn't that be something if it was Ole Miss and Mississippi State that were not going? It almost, After winning back-to-back national championships in yeah, that state. yeah. Mississippi State won it two years ago. Ole Miss won it last year. If they finish in the bottom two slots of this conference, hey, there's a lot of time for this all to change. Oh, a yeah. lot of time. Oh, yeah. Um, but it almost wouldn't keep an eye on. It almost wouldn't feel right. <laughs> like, yeah. it almost wouldn't feel right if for them to not be playing in Hoover. Yeah, baseball craze state like that to, um, to go that haywire and both struggle that way, mm-hmm. that'd be something crazy. Yeah, well, again, Auburn baseball uh, re- rebounding, I should say, after getting swept versus Arkansas last weekend. They come home and take care of business against Georgia, taking two out of three. They'll play UNA tomorrow at Plainsman Park before making a trip to Gainesville on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, yeah, Auburn has to try to build some momentum off this Georgia series because it doesn't get a whole lot easier. You play this Florida team who is really good. Then you play Texas A&M at home, a series you should feel pretty good about given A&M's 1-5 record so far in SEC play. Then you got to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama before coming home and playing Mississippi State. That's plenty of time by the end of April, so almost a month from now. That's plenty of time for Mississippi State to figure it out and start playing a lot better baseball. Don't expect them to be winless in the SEC by the time they roll into Plainsman Park. Then you go to South Carolina, home for LSU, and at Ole Miss, and then home for Missouri. So when you look at this schedule for Auburn in SEC play, Yes, there are some good teams there, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, it's not the worst schedule you could draw if Ole Miss and Mississippi State continue to be down. You do have to play LSU, who is supposed to be the best team in the West, but you get them at home. And then you go to South Carolina, you feel decent there. You have to go to Alabama, but you should be able to compete in that. You have Texas A&M, who's 1-5. Like, Auburn can look at their SEC schedule, and if they just play well and if they get healthy, 
Auburn baseball should feel pretty good about their SEC schedule given what has already taken place two weekends in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that every weekend in the SEC is extremely difficult. Um, and this Auburn team's got to get healthy. This Auburn team's got to get healthy. You're without jo- Joseph Gonzalez. Uh, you saw Bobby Pierce start to come back. You saw some of the guys who were banged up. Cole Foster's finally back. Um, need to continue to round into form. Some of these young pitchers have to step up. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a challenge. As uh looks like Hugh Freeze's press conference is now underway. Got you. Okay. Well, yeah, we we knew it was right around this time. And so, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully tomorrow – We'll have some audio from that if you're unable to get any information from that. We'll play some audio from that tomorrow, talk about it a little bit, and uh, see what Hugh Freeze has to say about the quarterbacks, about the scrimmage on Friday, about uh, everything about everything going on with Auburn football coming into the spring, or as we get into the spring, I should say. And so, um, yeah, we'll have some audio from that. We'll talk about that tomorrow on what Hugh Freeze says. I'm sure everybody is curious on what the quarterbacks look like and the situation there, and we'll have all of that broken down tomorrow. But we'll take our final break here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll come back and wrap it up on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next few minutes here on ESPN 106.7 as Hugh Freeze's press conference taking place right now. Uh, we'll kind of just read through some of the quotes that stand out to us and again tomorrow on the show from 2 to 4 right here on ESPN 106.7. We'll have some audio to play for you, talk about it, break down these quotes a little bit more, uh, but just want to give you uh, at least a few quotes in and ideas of what he's talking about over there at the football complex. And so Carter, any of them that uh, stand out to you, I'll start with the uh, quarterback's quote. He was asked about this and quote from he freeze. He said, we got better last week. I thought we improved most of the week, particularly Monday and Wednesday. So yeah, sounds a little then, bit better than last week. And then when asked about Holden Gurner uh, standing out last week, he said, I thought he really stood out all week with his improvement and his play. Uh, not that the others didn't improve, but I thought his grasp of what we are trying to do, he was impressive with it last week. Uh, he also said Robbie Ashford's nursing a sore shoulder last week uh, and didn't throw much on Wednesday and Friday after having a strong practice on Monday. Uh, but what excites me is what we're hearing about a couple of these uh, freshmen. Yeah. He said he thinks, quote, I think we hit a home run with Connor Lou. He's going to play for us as a freshman. Lou was repping with the first team offense at left guard last week. Uh, and then he also said, Kay and Lee will absolutely play this season for Auburn, much like Connor Lou. Uh, somebody out who was most likely out for the rest of spring, uh, DBJD Rim. Uh, he, uh, according to Hugh Freeze, will most likely miss the rest of spring practices with an injury. Um, yeah, he said he will absolutely. Kalen Wheat, oh, excuse me, Kay and Lee will absolutely play for the Tigers this season, uh, like offensive line Connor Liu. Uh, so some of the things, okay, pretty. It's still early in in his press conference, and again, we will uh, have some audio. We'll play some interesting bits and talk about it tomorrow. But 
at least there's some positivity coming out of the quarterback room whereas if you remember his quotes from last week he said yeah we got some work to do and uh he he was going to work on him last week and it sounds like Holden Gariner had a pretty good week sounds like Robbie Ashford for the times that he did play sounds like he got better uh still dealing with some injury soreness type of stuff and uh, we'll see how that affects him throughout the rest of the spring but at least there's positivity coming out of the out of the quarterback room at least it's not well didn't see really anybody get better and we're still just kind of stuck right I think that's positive yeah yeah I mean I I'm I'm really um I'm encouraged by some of the things you're starting to hear um I think that a lot of progress has been made um yeah it'll be interesting to see what is said over the next week or two and what we're two weeks away from a day yeah wow yeah isn't that crazy it's on april 8th this this spring's just been so spread out because they had the first week then spring break then they came back to it uh that it feels like feels like all of a sudden a day is just sneaking up on us yeah it, it is sneaking up on us there's no doubt and uh, here's a quote that uh, Justin Ferguson, friend of the station, asked Hugh Freeze about uh, the receivers. Uh, if he saw progress from the receivers last week, he said, not as much as I would like. Uh, says we're dealing with some hamstrings and some ankle injuries. We had a few key ones out. We've still got some improving to do on alignment and assignment. So sort of a similar quote that we heard last week about the quarterbacks. Sounds like that's what we're getting out of the receivers so far is not a whole lot of improvement for them. Apparently we have a uh, a little Italy pizza debate taking just place saw. on uh, in the presser. Is it a debate that if Little Italy's the best pizza in town, or if well, it's good or you not? You called it uh, incredible, and friend of the show Christian Clemente disagreed and said can't stand it. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that is unfortunate because we <laughs> were going to have so Christian funny. on this week, but you know what? Maybe we won't because I will not stand for the bashing of Little Italy. I won't. I love Little Italy. It is greasy, delicious pizza that is good at any time, any day, any moment. It doesn't matter. I love Little Italy pizza. It's awesome. Do you like it? Are you a fan of Little yeah, Italy? I mean, it's good. I mean, I think I think uh, there's other options in Auburn that are better in my mind, but that's just me. Johnny Brusco's is really good. Johnny Brusco's is great. what I had in mind. Yeah. That's what I think is better than... That other one. That's fair. That's fair. Look, there's nothing healthy about it, but it's absolutely delicious. And so that's funny that um, that's the conversation that's broken out at, at Hugh Freeze's press conference. But, uh, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so, yeah, again, just looking at some of the quotes uh, that Hugh Freeze has talked about so far in his uh, press conference, I think, the, again, the ones that stand out, I think we hit a home run with Connor Lou. He's going to play for us as a freshman. That has to get you excited. I know you love Connor Lou and what he brings to this Auburn team and what yeah, he can I mean, do I, in the future. I think he's going to be an All-American caliber interior offensive lineman for Auburn. I think he is going to uh, be the best center at Auburn since Reese Dismukes, and I will continue to say that. I will die on that hill uh, until the day that Connor Lou is not on this campus. There you go. I think it could happen. It absolutely could. He's a great player. He is. And, and for him to be already getting the the praise from Hugh Freeze and the staff and saying, yes, he is absolutely going to play as a freshman, like 
you've got to feel good about where that's going to be and what he's going to be this season and in the future here at Auburn. And so again, Hugh Freeze in his press conference right now. We'll have audio from that tomorrow and we'll talk about it, uh, the individual points, the quotes we have already and some that are yet to come from Hugh Freeze. So that'll be on tomorrow's show. Again, we apologize for the phone issues today. Uh, weren't able to get our guest on due to some phone outages across Auburn, Opelika with the weather that came through. So uh, hopefully the drive guys can have that fixed for their show, but if not, it'll be fixed by tomorrow. And so that's it. We are out of time here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow, though, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. We'll talk Hugh Freeze's press conference. We'll talk more basketball and all things Auburn athletics. But again, out of time. Come back 2-4 to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.